Before we get started today, I wanted to give a quick disclaimer that some of the topics in today's episode may contain some adult content with regards to anatomy and sexuality. So if you're listening around kids or friends or family, you may want to pop your headphones in. Thank you so much for listening. You're listening to Love Well with Holly. On this podcast, we share real life stories and experts' knowledge to help guide you and walk alongside you in all phases of womanhood. We are here to educate and empower you to take charge of your health so that you can love yourself and others well. We are so glad you're here. Now let's get into today's episode. So today we have Dr. Jenny Archer here with me. Jenny is a passionate pelvic floor therapist, educator, and advocate. Her passion for pelvic health developed in 2008 with the journey of her own pelvic pain treatment and recovery. She had to deal with pain for over two years while asking every doctor she met what could be done about it and getting no answers in return. She became a pelvic health therapist in hopes that no other woman would have to fight so hard to get the care that she deserves. Jenny graduated from the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in 2011 and immediately started taking additional coursework to specialize in pelvic health. She completed her training through Herman and Wallace Pelvic Rehabilitation Institute. Since her journey into physical therapy started, she has become a wife and proud mom of two amazing kids. Becoming a mom in 2017 sparked a renewed passion for treating pregnant patients and other new moms. Dr. Jenny's goal in life and in each of her therapy sessions is to create a safe space for all of her patients to be able to talk about what ails them and to be empowered to conquer it. So hello, Jenny. We're so excited to have you. So I'm just going to kind of let you tell me a little bit about you and how you became a pelvic floor PT. Yeah. Well, you kind of covered it in that. Um, So I've been a pelvic floor physical therapist for a little over 11 years now. And it really did come out of when I started PT school, I did not know about pelvic floor PT. I thought that I was going to PT school to be a pediatric PT. And then right before PT school started, I'd had an abdominal surgery and then woke up from the abdominal surgery with a lot of abdominal and pelvic pain and kept mentioning it to my doctors of, hey, there's this lingering pain is this normal? Can something be done about it? And they kept saying, no, it's probably going to go away. Maybe it's gas. No one could tell me what it was. (laughs) And it was very dumb. Um, And I had so much pain sitting and doing my daily things and then got to PT school and we had classes that kind of covered it towards the end. And so as soon as someone came in and started listing off, here's all the things that are a pelvic floor PT that you would see a pelvic floor PT for and indicate you have pelvic pain. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the quote unquote gas pain. Mm -hmm. And so went to see a pelvic PT, got better in two sessions. And then kind of like the bio says, it just became such a passion to help other people. Went back to my hometown of Jackson, Tennessee, and I was the only pelvic floor therapist there for a while that did this. And it became such a passion project. I loved it so much. And it's just sometimes you're the only person that talks to these Mm -hmm. people about that particular pain that people feel comfortable with. So loved that aspect. And then kind of like you've already mentioned, got into pregnancy when I got pregnant and kind of felt the same way of 
there wasn't anyone who I felt like knew enough about the pregnant body to help me with pregnancy or labor portion. And then what do I do postpartum? And a lot of what I did didn't work for me. And so having to go back and restructure that so I could help other people, but have two kids, which are both, I love those little jokers so much, but definitely having two kids and going through those pregnancies, going through those deliveries and being a postpartum mom twice also helped me figure out like what I wanted to do and helped me kind of hone in my passion for pelvic floor, but really all things pelvic floor related. I love. So yeah. Well, let's kind of start at the beginning Mm -hmm. just for people who have no idea. What is your pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and what is its importance in your body? Yeah. So your pelvic floor is a hammock or a bowl shape of muscle that is in your pelvic bone. So between your legs, between your two butt bones, between your pubic bone and your tailbone. And so it connects those areas of bones, but it also is important because obviously for sphincter control, so that's your bowel, your bladder, um, and then for male and female, it's important for sexual function. So it helps men get an erection. Can I say erection on here? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, You can say whatever you want. (laughs) I know. I stopped for a second of, oh no. Um, But it helps men get erections. It helps women be able to have pain-free intercourse and for us to be able to have an orgasm as well, but it also gives you a lot of support. So your pelvic floor is supportive and it helps hold your pelvic organs up and in. And then it also is stability. So it helps with your hip muscles, your back muscles, your core, your pelvic floor is actually part of your core. And so your pelvic floor is the bottom of four muscles that work together to help your trunk to move. And then a lot of people don't realize that it also affects pressure management. So you cannot pitch your voice really high and yell really loud or get a high pitch or scream across the room without pelvic floor control. You can't get a deep, low note without pelvic floor release. And so your pelvic floor works with your diaphragm and your throat and your upper palate and your mouth to manage the pressure all the way down. So it's one of the key factors that really your whole body needs your pelvic floor working really well. And it's this small three layers of muscle that are in a place nobody ever thinks to look or touch. And it's pretty important because your whole body, your arm movement, your leg movement, all of your movement kind of starts from your core. That's why they call it your core and your pelvic floor is part of that. It's so interesting. So how would someone know if they need pelvic floor physical therapy? Mm -hmm. Is it something that is um, just for people with certain issues or is it for anyone? Who's it for? So yeah, really anyone. I've treated the whole gamut. I've treated children with pelvic floor dysfunction, women, men, people kind of all along the spectrum of that um, and all ages. I've treated it from five years old all the way up to 95 years old. Um, so the main thing is if there's anything with any of those functions we just talked about. So if you are having trouble getting bowel out, so constipation or getting urine out, having trouble starting your stream or the opposite where urine or bowel comes out when you don't want it to painful intercourse or even just intercourse dysfunction. So erectile dysfunction for men or an inability to orgasm or pain with orgasm for women, um, Abdominal pain is sometimes actually related to the pelvic floor as well as low back pain, hip pain, 
So if you have been seen by an orthopedic therapist for a lingering pain that just won't go away, that's also a time to take a look at your pelvic floor to see, is there actually something going on there that's preventing you from getting fully better? And then I do think that just anyone who's been through a pelvic surgery, a pregnancy, or a delivery, that's kind of a must-see at least once. Make sure everything's going well, not just for how you're doing now, but for in the future. When As you get older and as you age, we want to make sure that whatever happened in those pregnancies and the deliveries, they're being caught early. And we're paying attention to that so that you don't have issues when you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s. So let's talk about Kegels. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. (laughs) So a lot of people are like, oh, do your Kegels, do your Kegels. Is Mm -hmm. that beneficial for everyone or is it possible that that could be harming you, doing more harm than good? Yes. So yes. Um, (laughs) Not, they're not for everybody. And really there's a time and a place for Kegels occasionally Um, And for anyone who's listening, it's really, you can call it Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. I've heard all the things. Um, And so, and they're all fine. They're all right. Um, I'm from the South, so I pronounce it Kegel for the most part. Unless I'm with someone who is also pronouncing it Kegel, and then I switch over. And sometimes within the same (laughs) sentence, I'll pronounce Mm -hmm. it two different ways for that reason. Um, But most of the time, the pelvic floor is actually a little bit too tight. And a lot of people don't realize that, but there was a time where no matter what you had wrong, whether you had pain or leakage or anything like going on in your back or your stomach, people would just say, well, just go ahead and do Kegels and you'll be fine. But what we started to find was that a lot of people actually had too tight of a pelvic floor and they didn't know how to reverse the Kegel. So a Kegel is where you contract as if you are stopping the flow of urine or gas. You should feel a lifting up of the space between your two butt bones, a tightening of if you're um, a female and you have a clitoris, you should feel a tightening of your, your clitoris. If you're male, you should feel a lifting of the testicles or a lifting of the base of the penis. And then for both of both male and female, you should feel a tightening in the anal sphincter. And so, so a lot of people know how to do that, but they don't know how to let it go. And then they don't know how to like to have a bowel movement. You need to be able to reverse that, lengthen your pelvic floor to let things move through. And so that's the part that people don't know how to do. So if they're only doing Kegels over and over, you're not getting the full function of the pelvic floor. And if you do have tightness in your pelvic floor, Kegels can actually make that worse. And Kegels are something, even for someone who needs Kegels, that's a very short, like, yes, let's do that. But then we need to start doing it in conjunction with breath work, in conjunction with other exercises, in conjunction with core and hip strengthening, because Kegels don't happen in a vacuum. They usually happen with your core, with your hips, with even some footwork. And so it's a bigger picture. So if anyone says, just do Kegels and you'll be fine, it's more complex than that to Mm -hmm. be able to just say that. So if someone's listening at home, Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you would describe to them how to do the perfect Kegel that Mm -hmm. comes from a pelvic floor PT, not just like, what are we looking for to feel and what would be the perfect Kegel? Yeah. So if you're sitting down and you should 
feel the space between your two butt bones. So if you're female, then you will feel that. Um, or I feel like you should probably say if you have a vagina, you will feel that mm-hmm. like on, on the vaginal opening. That's where you should be se- seated. If you have a penis, you should feel more that pressure between the anal sphincter and the testicles. That's the area we're kind of focusing on. Um, but when you're sitting, you should feel as you contract, you should feel a lift up and a tightening of that space that you're sitting on. That's called your perineum, but you should feel for people with vaginas, you should feel the urethra lift. You should feel the clitoris tighten, the anal sphincter tighten. And then for men, you should be able to actually see it. So you should be able to see the testicles raise, see the uh, base of the penis pull inward a little bit, but then you should also feel that let go. You should be able to have an appreciable movement of you can feel it contract and actually lift and move and then come back down. If you think I feel some tightening, but I don't feel movement, then that would make me think you either have weakness where it's too weak to actually get the lift or you actually have tightness where it's too tight to move. So you're not feeling the movement. So as long as you feel something lift in multiple places, so all the way up to the front and all the way to the back, it's not just one area. It should be a bigger feeling and then feel that completely let go. I generally like to tell people how to do it in sitting. That way they have the chair that they're sitting Mm -hmm. on that helps them figure out, am I contracting? Am I lifting? What's happening? If you can't figure it out from there, actually putting your hand on your perineum. So if you have a vagina that's on that space between vaginal opening and rectal opening um, or between testicles and anal sphincter. So what if someone did realize that they have an issue and mm-hmm. they came to you for a an assessment? What does an assessment look like? Because I think that that is what is so nerve-wracking for mm-hmm. a lot of people because it's a very vulnerable thing, and especially if you're already having issues. Um, so what does that kind of look like? Yeah, it – So I definitely open the floor for one, we're going to have a conversation about what are your symptoms, what's going on. And I want to kind of get a picture because not every time do we need to do an internal assessment. Most of the time there's something also going on on the outside of the body. So no matter who you see, hopefully they're sitting down with you and saying, when did this pain start? What does your pain feel like? Where do you feel it? And tell me more information about that. Um, I like to look at the abdominal area on top of everything. And that's usually kind of our starting point of, okay, uh, there's some stuff going on here or not. Um, And having that conversation of, okay, maybe you are having pelvic pain. That sounds to me like I think we would benefit from a vaginal assessment or a rectal assessment if you're a male. Um, and for that, we have the conversation of if you feel comfortable going forward today with that, or we can hold off and wait till the next session. Um, cause there's so much information you can get even from the outside because you can touch the pelvic floor on the outside through clothes. If you're thinking about where the two butt bones are touching just inside those butt bones, that's your pelvic floor. That's a muscle called levator ani. If you go a little bit deeper and around the butt bones still on the outside through clothes, you can touch a portion of the pelvic floor called obturator internus and then go all the way back to tailbone and all the way forward to pubic bone and kind of get a good sense of where their pelvic floor is. 
most of my patients, because I travel to their home and we're in their house, I would say most of my patients by that point feel comfortable enough to say, I'm ready to go ahead and do a vaginal assessment. I bring a table in. Occasionally we use their bed depending on what their comfort level is. Some people don't want to be on a table that's not theirs. They want the comfort of their bed. And some people want, I want a medical, like I want the table. I want the sheets. I throw some sheets on there that are like twin sheet sets. So it's a little cozier. I try to make it semi-comfortable. And so pants and panties off, shirt gets to stay on. And then we are mostly moving very slow. So I'm touching the vaginal opening. I'm touching the muscles slowly. I'm not trying to create pain or cause a lot of pain. If I do create pain, I want it to be manageable. My, the way that I tell people is if I am making you feel like you have to hold your breath or clench anything, that's too much pressure. And so I back off a little bit. We're trying to have a therapeutic touch. And so that's the main thing. We're wanting people to know we're not going to go in and start pressing very hard or creating a lot of pain. You should feel better when this is done, not more painful. It should feel relieving to have this technique done if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of how the vaginal assessment is done. Sometimes we do some treatment on that same day. If I see that someone feels really uncomfortable, we kind of back off and say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on your stomach today and maybe your spine, your hips, some other things that are possibly leading into why their pelvic floor is tight in the first place and until they feel a little bit more comfortable with me and then we move forward Mm -hmm. depending Yeah. So how do people know if they're sitting at home, they're like, oh yeah, I have pain every now and then. But how do you know that you're to a point to where you need to do pelvic PT? How, how would you know? What sort of symptoms would you see? Yeah. So if you have any pain at all with intercourse, I would almost go so far as to say ever, unless there's something very specific that happened, but pain with initial insertion that usually people say it hurts like it burns around the opening or there's a sharp tearing pain around the opening. That's common both in people who have never had children before and people who have had children that have maybe had an episiotomy or a perineal tear. Um, also, if any, if you've had deep pain with intercourse, so maybe the vaginal opening is not your area of pain. Maybe it hurts with only deeper penetration or a classic one is feeling like your your partner is hitting something. And so if that is painful, um, call me immediately. That's something that can be fixed very easily. And then for men, pain with um, erection, pain with ejaculation, even for women, pain with um, orgasm, inability to get an orgasm. If you're leaking anything as far as a bladder or bowel or just things don't feel right in that saddle area, call a pelvic floor PT. And then as far as if they, if you think it may be your pelvic floor causing other issues, if you've been in PT, an orthopedic PT for chronic hip pain, chronic back pain, chronic abdominal pain or constipation, it might be time to take a look at your pelvic floor to see is your pelvic floor related to some of that pain? Cause it commonly is. Yeah. Those would be the times I would call for sure. So let's kind of move into Mm -hmm. pregnancy because I know that that's really a common thing that you deal with. So in pregnancy, when is it good to start pelvic Mm -hmm. 
pelvic floor PT and why is it beneficial in pregnancy? Yeah. So this was one of the reasons, especially after the birth of my daughter and I am a pelvic floor PT, but I felt like I wasn't super prepared for the delivery because I ended up needing an epidural. I was really planning on being able to feel my pelvic floor to know how to push. I obviously have a history of pelvic pain and pelvic tightness. And so I even talked to my doctor of, I have this long history of years and years of pelvic tightness. Is that going to affect me in labor? He said, no. And it did affect me in labor. I had a very hard time relaxing my pelvic floor to allow the baby to descend down and rotate out. Um, and then pushing was very hard, trying to push and not be able to feel my pelvic floor. So one of the things I like to do for my pregnant patients, A, earlier on, I usually start somewhere between week 15 and 25 of their pregnancy, have one meeting just to check um, how well are your hips moving because your hips need to be able to move really well, especially towards the end of pregnancy to keep you from getting low back pain, pubic bone pain, all of the things that people commonly get in pregnancy. It's common, but with the right exercises and approach, you don't have to have a painful pregnancy. And so I like to get people before they get to that point of, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm newly pregnant. I don't have any pain. This is going to be a great pregnancy. And it's like, yes, I want mm -hmm. it to be a great pregnancy. Let's just make sure. Occasionally I even see patients before they get pregnant just to say, I want to get pregnant this year and I just want to once over and make sure that everything's moving well. And that's when we sometimes find things in their hip or their hip strength or their core. That's like, I'm glad that we're going to have a couple of sessions while there's not a baby in your belly so that we can correct some of these with more aggressive approaches. And then once you're pregnant, your body will be able to carry the pregnancy easier. And so that's super ideal if you could have one or two sessions just to in pregnancy planning. But I typically like to see someone every once a month to once every six weeks just to make sure their body is adjusting really well to the pregnancy as the belly continues to grow. And then around 34, 35 weeks, we start to teach perineal massage and push practice. And my push practice includes making sure that they have the breathing down, the breathing approach to relax and open their pelvic floor. And how do they push a baby out? When they push, do they tighten their pelvic floor or can they give a really good effective push and actually open and lengthen their pelvic floor? And that's going to help their labor be shorter. It's going to help hopefully pre prevent tearing. And so all of those things, um, that's more than what you asked, but no, I love it. It's kind of everything was, I love. You actually kind of touched on something I was going to ask about, because I feel like it's a pretty common question is, are there things that you can do to prevent tearing? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so a lot of it, some things that people don't think about is hip mobility. So if your hips can't move very well and you're a, you're someone who's always said, I'm just really stiff, I'm really tight. Well, your hip mobility is going to play a big role in how well your pelvis can open to let the baby pass through. And so we need to know that your sacrum moves really well, your pelvic bones on either side move very well, your hips move very well. Um, we need all of that to function together to get the baby out. Um, and so if we can focus on hip mobility and breathing is usually number one, because a lot of people are coming in with reversed breathing, meaning when they inhale, their pelvic floor tightens, they exhale to relax. And we really need to flip that, especially for delivery. 
Um, and goodness, that first poop after delivery, yeah. you really need good breathing. So approaches. how does that, what would you say to someone who is listening that wants to learn how to do that breathing? Like how do you, mm-hmm. how do you breathe into your pelvic floor? How yeah. do you practice that? There's a couple of things. So one of my, so start from a very relaxed position for a lot of people sitting upright is really difficult. And for me, I remember the first time I learned as someone with a tight pelvic floor, we were learning in class on our back. And I just remember telling people it feels, I feel like a fish out of water. I can't get air in my lungs trying to breathe like this. Mm -hmm. So for me, I could only do it initially like on my side, almost like in a fetal position. Mm -hmm. So I like back supported. And so my favorite just trick approach to everybody is have your hand on your lower belly, just over your pubic bone. And you're trying to breathe down into your hand and relax your butthole at the same time. I would say 80% of the time that gets what I'm trying to get of getting the pelvic floor to relax. And then occasionally we have to move to move your hands to around your ribs, feel your ribs open and your belly soften and get bigger at the same time. Sometimes I have a hand internally so that they can feel the pressure of my finger and breathe down into where you feel your finger. Um, But for someone at home, just thinking about, can you breathe down low enough that you feel your pelvic floor either? Most people can kind of find where your butthole is. Mm-hmm. And can you breathe down deep enough to feel that relax and open as you inhale, not as you exhale? That's what a lot of people, their pattern is just from sitting at a desk. It, that can reverse the way that we breathe and what our body does when your shoulders are very far forward and you kind of clench off your abdominals. And so when those patients come in of not being able, when I take a deep breath, I want to clench my pelvic floor. So we've got to kind of do some postural work. So that's why laying on your side is usually a good place to start. Um, Those would be my start there. Mm -hmm. If you still can't figure it out, you may need to see someone. Sometimes we have to work on rib mobility. Maybe your ribs are stuck. Maybe Mm -hmm. your stomach is too tight. If you have a history of constipation, that could be preventing the air from going past your diaphragm down into your pelvic floor. So that would be a reason if you can't feel your pelvic floor release with an inhale, that would be another reason to maybe see a Mm -hmm. pelvic floor PT. I'm thinking about every breath that I take now. I'm like, do I I feel like that? And not every breath has to be that, but definitely for like important times. It's very crazy though. When you start thinking about your breath and Mm -hmm. how to, it, it so affects other things in your body if you're breathing correctly and you can actually like fully relax. Yes. Like I know I learned how to like take really nice deep breaths, like to try and like calm myself down in like mm-hmm. really high anxiety situations. And now I do that to go to sleep. It's so beneficial because yeah. I'm like, oh, I know, I've learned how to like slow my own heart rate. Yeah. And it's so interesting that all of it's just very connected. Yeah. Okay, so for someone who's past the point of their childbearing years, mm-hmm. is pelvic floor physical therapy still beneficial for them and why would they need it? Yeah, so I've seen a ton of people that once postpartum, you're always postpartum. And so definitely in the beginning when I first started this, the majority of my patients were 20, 30, 40 years postpartum and still still oh, wow. dealing with what happened after their labors 
whether they had a C-section or a vaginal delivery. So I've had patients come in that for 30 years never got their C-section scar and around their scar sensation back, or they had constipation issues and didn't realize it was actually coming from their C-section or their hysterectomy scar. And so any long scar in your lower abdominals is going to affect your abdomen and your pelvic floor. So working on that, you can still work on getting your pelvic floor functioning well, no matter if you've even ever had a baby. I've also seen a lot of teenagers and people that are in their 40s that have never had kids at all that for whatever reason, whether it's anxiety and they're clenching their pelvic floor all day, or maybe it was a hip injury or a fall onto their tailbone, there are so many reasons why your pelvic floor can become dysfunctional outside of the childbearing years. Um, I do have a question about prolapse. Yes. Um, because I feel like it's becoming um, a more well-known thing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's always been around, but it is becoming a little bit more well-known. People are talking about it a little bit more. What is prolapse? How does it happen? And how is it is it treatable and fixable? Yeah. So a prolapse typically happens most commonly after having a baby with a vaginal delivery. And so that is where either the rectal wall falls down into the vaginal cavity, the bladder wall, or the uterus and cervix, or sometimes the intestines can also drop down um, into the vaginal cavity. And so anytime that organ is, has been displaced and kind of down into the vaginal canal, that is considered a prolapse. What we're finding out is that prolapse is a little bit more nuanced than something as weak and hanging down into your vaginal canal, end all be all, have surgery. So there's usually a couple of things going on. Thing one, there is pressure from above. Why is there pressure from above? Is it someone that has a lot of constipation? It's not going to the bathroom very regularly. Um, Your intestines sit on top of your pelvic organs. And this is true, by the way, for men with prolapse. You can have a rectal prolapse if you're a man and you have a job that you're lifting heavy constantly. Um, Even if you're a woman and you have a job that you're lifting constantly or you have kids that you're lifting with maybe poor coordination and poor technique and you're bearing down and putting a lot of pressure into your pelvic floor, those are things that are going to increase the chance that you have put pressure down. So if somebody has a prolapse, the things that we want to take a look at are take off the pressure from above. So that is usually how you're breathing as Mm -hmm. we've discussed already, but are they holding their breath to lift, push, or pull? Are they bearing down into their pelvic floor to lift, push, or pull? And then the constipation factor. But then we do want to know what does the whole system look like? So usually with um, pelvic organ prolapse, there's a lot of hip weakness that also goes into why the pelvic organs are starting to drop down. So we have to take a look at how strong are the hips and is that playing a factor in allowing the pelvic organs to drop down? And then typically there are also a couple of spots in the pelvic floor that are actually too tight. I've also had patients have pelvic organ prolapse that are coming from a scar on the perineum from either a surgery or a vaginal delivery. And so we've got to get the scar tissue moving better to allow the organs to go back up to where they want to be. And so that's kind of the nitty gritty of what is it? Can, can we treat it? And the research shows that we can affect it one to two centimeters with, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in Mm -hmm. the 
aspect of the vaginal vault is not very long. Mm -hmm. That can sometimes be the difference between do you feel and notice your prolapse or do you have no idea that you have it? Mm -hmm. And so we want to get you to a place you may always have a little bit of that weakness in the wall somewhere in the vaginal cavity, but we want to get you to a place where you're not symptomatic. It doesn't change the way you have to pee or have a bowel movement. You don't feel it when you sit or stand. Most of my prolapse patients just say they feel a little bulgy, they say, Mm -hmm. or it's kind of like there's pressure at the vaginal opening. It's just annoying. It's rarely painful, but it does cause some issues with intercourse and the way that you urinate and have a bowel movement. And it's just uncomfortable. It doesn't feel great. Um, Pro tip too, wearing very tight pants and high-waisted pants and a lot of pressure on your abdomen typically makes your prolapse feel worse. So if you're wearing pants that are really tight, maybe take those down and either... I would think it would be the opposite. I know. So I, um, because had a nine-pound and a 10-pound baby, um, so I have a little bit of a prolapse that I most of the time don't know about. But if I wear a pant that stops at my belly button and is very tight and like Mm -hmm. pushing in... Um, I feel exactly that. I start to say, think, oh my gosh, I'm feeling a little bulgy. And if I, mm-hmm. I either have to pull my pants all the way up or all the way down, it's like, get off of the middle of my yeah. belly. I don't yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my husband laughs at me if I, if I pull them all yeah. the way up, which I I'm just, sure that's a really cute look. It's a, it's real cute. I hope it catches. I yeah, hope it becomes I don't, a trend. I can't get on the low rise. <laughs> no, I, I mean, can't. that's not, it's not cute. It's not. And I don't want to have to like suck in and do all that. No, no. we don't need low rise jeans back at all. No. Um, so my next question is if someone doesn't have the means to see a pelvic floor PT, what are some exercises, things that they can do at home, um, to help strengthen their pelvic floor or if they are, too strong of a pelvic floor, how to, mm-hmm. how to balance that out. So for the most part, without seeing someone, cause I don't want to be sued for medical <laughs> advice, poor medical advice. Um, but the main thing, if you're walking every day and you feel pretty good after you walk, I would definitely recommend some yoga just to keep everything stretched. I want you to feel like your hips are stretched. You don't feel tight in any way. Are your hamstrings tight? Are your inner thighs tight? If you sit down and cross one ankle on the other knee, can you lean forward without a ton of hip tightness? I'm like sitting here thinking about if I can do that. Like probably not. (laughs) And so that's one of the muscles that typically also gets tight when your pelvic floor gets tight. So that's kind of how to know, do I need to work on that? And then when you walk, do you have a lot of movement in your hips? Do your hips really sway back side to side? Does your head sway back side to side? That can also be an indicator of hip weakness for both of those things. That is very interesting. Why mm-hmm. is that? I'm like You're swaying like, back and forth like why people can be? see me. Yeah. yeah. So it's because specifically a muscle called gluteus medius, that is the muscle that supports and holds your hip up when you are standing on one leg, which when you're walking or running, you have to, you're in a moment as the other leg is swinging forward. If that muscle is not strong enough to support you, it's going to drop the hip down, which looks like a really sexy walk when it's mm-hmm. like your hips where you're like, ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> but really it's just glute weakness, glute yeah. weakness. And you're just asking for a tendonitis in your yeah. hip. And so trying to tell people like you can't like sashay your butt yeah. that hard 
it's gonna cause a lot of pain have a problem yeah it causes a lot of hip pain and back pain to walk like that and then older people if you've ever seen like um much older people, they tend to go a different way. So their hips usually are too tight to sachet. So you'll see their head moving side to side, like their whole Mm. shoulders and head will kind of move right to left because it's the same thing. It's called a Trendelenburg. One's a compensated and one's an uncompensated Trendelenburg. Mm -hmm. Google it. Yeah. Um, But so an older person will typically do the head and shoulder bob side to side, whereas a younger person with hip weakness will usually do the like sway side to side or you'll see them rotate really hard. I wish you guys could see her doing this. She's <laughs> seshing so hard in the chair. I know. You're doing it so well. I wish people could see you. I'm trying to keep my head very still so you can still hear me, but that's so funny. Um so I think my I just have my last question. Yeah. Um so obviously the podcast is named Love Well. Um it is empowering and educating women so that they can love themselves and others well. So what do you think in your life it means to love well? Mm. Okay, I've been on a journey these last oh, couple of years. Tell me about it. Um you know, growing up in 80s and 90s, God yeah. bless. Um <laughs> You know, I don't think I learned self-care and people listening to this that know me are going to laugh so hard because they I get told all the time I need to practice more self-care. I am on a journey. I am mm-hmm. trying. I love um, it. But it's definitely and I feel like in the last really having children has opened that up for me that I can't push through and ignore my own needs. I have to take care of myself. So for me, having children has taught me I have to have self-love. I have to take care of myself so that I have more love to offer and mm-hmm. love well my mm-hmm. family and have the energy and the capacity and the patience and everything that I need to be to show up in their lives and love them well. I have to put that into myself as mm-hmm. well. And that has been harder than I've ever imagined. And so speaking of physical therapy that is taking mm-hmm. care of yourself, it is, it's a lot to have to, I've got to go to an appointment and mm-hmm. I've got to do the exercises and I've got to do something to keep up with myself. But in the long run, it makes you a better person and it makes yeah. you better to people around you. So I feel like that is um, a good takeaway with yeah. both physical therapy and that comment of take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. What does what self-care look like to you? What do me? you do? Yeah. Okay, getting back into meditation, mm, yep. trying to walk the talk mm-hmm. of just bought wide toe box shoes because <laughs> I tell my patients and they're like, what your your tennis shoes aren't. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, do, do as I say, yeah. not as I do. Um, so starting to do all the things I tell my patients to do, drink drinking lots of water, making mm-hmm. sure that I get eight hours of sleep. I need that, even with two kids. Mm-hmm. doesn't happen every night, but I try to make that a priority getting some movement in every day. And then I try to have something every month to every other month goals every month, one day Mm -hmm. um, of a massage, a facial, something to where somebody's taking care of me or a therapy session. My favorite Mm -hmm. things, my favorite self love is finding a friend that will go for a walk with me. Like you're adding movement and unloading some like and then she mm-hmm. said and then I can't believe and then like <laughs> those getting are the it best off. aren't they yeah and the, so then you leave those like I exercise I got my heart rate up I feel good about myself I also like we resolved this whole yeah. issue and so 
you know, those things are the things yeah. I'm currently doing. That's been I a journey. It. It's taken me a long time to take care of myself. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a lot of information, That's but so it was much. so much good information. And I yeah. know it's going to benefit somebody out there. So just kind of tell me like where people can find you if they mm-hmm. want to make an appointment with you or if they just want to follow you on socials. What a what do you want to put out there for everyone? Yeah. So look me up on my webpage, Archer PT, Archer Physical mm-hmm. Um, Or I'm going to say you can text me. Don't. I mean, you can call me, but text me. <laughs> you can call me. Text me. I'll, I'll answer you faster with text messages. Um, 615-852-7441 if you're interested. And then on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Archer Mobile PT. Um, and I'm trying to be more active on social media soon. That's a hard, it's a hard hard. thing. It's very hard. Hate it so much, but I'm going to start posting stuff one day. I promise. Yes. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. Do you have any other resources or anything for people, books, anything? Oh my gosh. There's so much. There's a plethora. There are so many books that I love. Um, Heal Pelvic Pain by Amy Stein is one of my favorite books um, just about pelvic floor in general. I feel like everyone gets their information on Instagram and TikTok yeah, that's very right true. now. Yeah. And so who's reading books anymore? Um, but there's so I try many, to. I try right. To I mean, I start them. I don't always finish them. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I hate to say go to TikTok and Instagram and you'll find, cause there are also people who are kind of yeah. new to the game and you don't know if you don't know, like, right. That's not great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, yeah, I do feel like pelvic floor PT is blowing up on TikTok, at least on my TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my, the algorithm has figured me out and it's like, oh, yeah, you're into you this. Wanna, you want to know about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are so many people, which gives me so much anxiety of all the things I need to be posting about and doing on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, it's a lot. TikTok. You can never keep up. You no. will never be able to keep up. It's just too much information. That's I have to yeah. tell myself that all the time. Like you'll yeah. never be able to keep up. I've got two kids and a full time job. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't have time. Um, but one day, one but day. But that's what makes you good at your job. You don't have time yeah. to post on social media because you're just out there helping people. I know. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna yeah. go with that. I'm gonna lean heavy into that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, and hopefully we can do something soon in the future. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Thanks. Jenny.